Hi, my name is Megan and I have the privilege of reading God's word for us and we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 17 and it'll be on the screen behind me. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Nebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Nebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, good evening. I'd like to add my welcome to to Josh's. And if you're here for the first time, we're currently going through a series on the book of Matthew. And Matthew takes us through the life of Jesus as witnessed by him. And so far, we've learned about Jesus' family tree. We've learned about his virgin birth and his baptism. And if you would like to catch up, you can listen to our podcast on YouTube. But today, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 17. And this, this passage explores Jesus' temptation and his ministry. Now, when I was uh, young, I wanted a sports car. That there um, is, a, is a luxury Mercedes-Benz sports car, um, which cost about three years of my wages, um, or, or, or about half your mortgage. Um, the reason I put it up then is because before Mercedes release a new car to the market, they undergo very demanding testing. Every aspect of the car is tested. Every bolt, every nut, every screw, the brakes, the engine, all, everything in the engine has to work properly. It's tested for crash behaviour. It's uh, tested for noise, road noise, vibration, harshness. They, they simulate storm conditions in the, in the factory to see how well it performs under storm conditions. It's driven in all terrains and conditions. It undergoes this testing to prove that it is fit for the task for which it's built. As a luxury vehicle, Mercedes has a reputation to maintain. So, so today, we're going to be looking at the temptation and testing of Jesus and why it was necessary for him to be tested before his ministry. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, I just present myself to you. 
Father God, I just repent of anything that might cause your word to be blocked. Father, I just um, humbly rely upon you uh, to speak the words that you would have me speak. Jesus' name, I pray you'll touch our hearts in your precious name. Amen. Let's go to a passage the meeting's just read. We'll be looking at Matthew 4, 1 to 11. This is the temptation of Jesus. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and his angels came and attended him. This event took place right after Jesus' baptism. But this was, and Matthew says it didn't happen by chance. He said Jesus was led by the Spirit. This indicates a deliberate action. This was part of God's plan for Jesus. See, God allowed Jesus to be tempted. Why was that mean of God? When God allows you to be tempted, is he mean? This is what I want to unpack from this, this passage as to why God allowed Jesus to be tempted like this. Remember at the end of the last chapter when Jesus was baptised and he, as he was coming out of the water, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That God was claiming that Jesus was his son and Jesus made the claim himself. This would have had huge implications for the Jews. Who was this person that he should make this claim? Who says you're the son of God? You're just like all the others that have disappointed us. Why should, why should they follow Jesus? He'd been fasting 40 days and 40 nights when he was tempted. Satan came to Jesus when he was at his most vulnerable. That is when Satan will tempt you. When you're at your most vulnerable, at your weakest moment, he will tempt you. And Satan began his temptations with, if you are the son of God. 
with a number of scholars that translate this as, since you are the son of God. And so Satan is saying, since you are the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. We have to remember that at this time, Jesus was fully human with his own will. He was hungry. Why shouldn't he provide for his own needs? Why shouldn't he turn the stones to bread if he was hungry? It, so Satan comes along and he says, okay, since you are the son of God, what Satan was really saying to Jesus is, okay, God said that you are his son, then prove it. Jesus came as the Messiah and saviour of his people. And temptation can be translated in other ways, like to make proof of, to attempt, test or tempt. I don't think this was a temptation of morality. Jesus' morality was not questioned. I believe in this context, Jesus was being tested on his claim of true sonship and his worthiness to be the Messiah and saviour of his people. And we see a striking parallel here with Israel in the Old Testament. Missing a slide, I think. Okay. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. So we know here that that God was talking to Moses. God was, was commissioning Moses to go and talk to Pharaoh to lead his people out of Egypt. And one of the instructions God said to Moses was, say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. So what's with that? I thought Jesus was his firstborn son. God had chosen Israel to be his people. God had plans for them. And so he redeemed them from Egypt. He led them on a journey under Moses through the wilderness on the way to the land that he promised to give them. During their, their time in the wilderness, they were tested. God tested them. There were times when the Egyptian army was chasing them. There were times then when they had nothing to eat. There's times when they had nothing to drink. And they complained. They said, Moses, what have you done? You've left us out here to die. They complained again and again and again. But that's not, that's not like you or me, is it? Matthew emphasizes that Jesus, unlike Israel, passed his test in the wilderness. He passed the sun test. In response to Satan, Jesus quotes three texts from Deuteronomy. All of these were commandments that Israel failed to obey, but that Jesus was determined to obey. Jesus could have gone his own way. He could have done his own thing. He could have said, you know what, Satan, you're right. I'm hungry. I, I want these stones to become bread. 
Or he could have said to Satan, yeah, look, that's really, really great. Give me all the kingdoms of the world and I'll bow down to you now. Jesus could have done that. He was human, just like we are. But he showed his willingness to obey God instead of going his own way. Jesus proved himself faithful. Satan tried three times to tempt him. The first time he tempted him to meet his own needs using his own means by turning stones to bread. Then he was tempted to put God to the test by jumping off a building. How many times when we get ourselves into trouble, we put God to the test and we say, if you are really God, then save me. Jesus could have done that. God would have saved him. And third test to save Jesus would succumb to the power and glory of the world by worshipping Satan. See, God will give Jesus the rulership over the kingdoms of the world. But the devil said, hey, I can give it to you now. Just ask me. I'll give it to you now. This was a test of Jesus' obedience to God. He was human. He could have chosen to do things the way he wanted. But here's, here's the cruncher. What would have happened if Jesus failed? Just think about that. If Jesus had failed the test, he would not be able to save us. His claim to be Messiah would not have been true. We'd be in a real mess because God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. If he had failed the test, then he was just like all the rest. We know that Jesus was the Messiah that was sent by God to redeem the world and lead it back to God. The real Messiah had to be perfect. The true son had to be perfect. This is why God allowed Jesus to be tested by Satan. You know what? The good news is Jesus passed the test, proving that he was who he said he was, the true Messiah. We've got to understand that back in Jesus' day, there were plenty of people that claimed to be the Messiah. Look at Matthew 13, 21 to 22. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Mark 13, 5, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Let me just say that there are people out there like that today. They claim all sorts of things 
they are false. Jesus is the only one that can truly say he is the son of God. Why? Because he passed the test. How many of us would pass that test? Imagine coming off a 40-day fast. How hungry would you be? And instead of relying on God to meet your needs, you're saying, well, God, I don't really trust you. I'm going to do it my own way. Like Israel, landed in the desert in a hot place. There was no water. And I thought, what are we going to... What are we going to do for drink? How are we going to drink? They complained to Moses. Moses went to God and he said, God, what am I going to do with these people? And God said, Moses, take your staff and hit the rock. And he hit the rock and water flowed out. People, if God can bring water out of rock, he can meet your need today. If God can cause manna to drop from heaven then there is nothing of your needs that is too big for him through Jesus victory over Satan he was approved and prepared for the work that he came to do he passes into the gloom and loneliness of the wilderness that he may be tested and through his testing Prove his strength and true sonship. Jesus has now become the last Adam. Remember back in the Garden of Eden, Adam was the first man. He was the first Adam. And, and he disobeyed God. He failed the test. And through that, humanity lost connection with God. They lost their connection with God. And, and ever since then, for hundreds and th even thousands of years, man has wanted that connection with God again. And the prophets prophesied of a coming Messiah. And they were excited. And along comes Jesus, claiming I am the one. I am the one. The first Adam was the head of the human race and he failed. Jesus is also the head of the human race and he passed the test. We can now have full confidence and assurance that our salvation is assured. Jesus is now prepared for the task that lies ahead of him. So we go, move on to his ministry. Matthew 12, 17. When Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said to the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond Jordan, 
Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. When Jesus moved to Capernaum, he, filled, he fulfilled a prophecy. The people there were living in darkness. And it was not a, a passing moment of darkness, like a blackout. They were habitually in darkness. Darkness of the mind and the spirit and the heart. They were Gentiles. They knew nothing else. They were stumbling around without hope, without peace. They had their own gods. They had their own philosophies, their own belief systems, but were still in darkness. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of the world in which we live. We live in a world of darkness. We live in a world that is habitually in the dark. It was, we're not, it's not made clear why Jesus based himself in this area, but it was in the plan of God. Jesus had redeemed the Jewish nation, but yet lived in a Gentile area. Why? This shows, uh, that prophecy from Isaiah shows that that commission to go to the Gentiles is not so afterthought. Jesus come, came to bring light, not just to his own people, but to the whole world. Yes, there is a world of darkness around us. John 8, 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Without Jesus, we're all in darkness. You know, when I was a child, I used to be scared of the dark because it was, there was no light at all. I'd be in a room completely black. I couldn't see anything. And there were shadows on the end of the bed looked like creatures or, or monsters that were coming to get me. Many kids are scared of the dark. Why? Because we need to see. If we can't see where we're going, we're frightened of that. You get up in the middle of the night and you're crashing into your chair. You're stumbling around for the light switch. And it's just hopeless in the dark. John 1.6. The Apostle John wrote that an individual does not have fellowship with God if he is walking in the darkness. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. There are people today that claim to be Christians. They claim to love God. They claim to worship Jesus. But they're walking in darkness. They lie. They're not practicing the truth. Has Jesus shone his light into your life? Has he come and you've seen a great light? The walking in darkness is generally understood to refer to a person who is sinning, who is disobeying God. They stumble through life with no direction or purpose. And because of man's sinfulness, a thick darkness has fallen on this broken world. And to be in darkness means to not know God or the things of God. When Jesus' light comes, what happens if you're in a dark room, you switch on a light? The darkness is dispelled. You can see again. When Jesus' light comes, he exposes our sin. He exposes those, those who are living in darkness because he repels the darkness. How about you? Has he shone his light into you? Those that live in darkness have not experienced God's grace or the hope that he brings. Because of ignorance of God, people fall into darkness of sin. They are open to the temptations and the testings of Satan. Oh, that seems really good. You know, that chocolate bar is really good. I'm not supposed to eat it. The doctor told me not to. But man, that looks good. Hmm. What happens when you drive past McDonald's? Man, that smells good. I know if I eat it, it's going to put the calories on. Are you tempted? Without Jesus, we remain blinded to the truth of his grace. Jesus came to point people to the Father. He could only do this by being the light that shines in the dark. If you're living in the dark, come to Jesus and he will lead you to God. Jesus himself said if you believe in him, you'll not be stumbling around in the darkness any longer. The final verse in this passage. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What did Jesus mean when he said the kingdom of heaven has come near? Isn't heaven some faraway place in the cosmos that we can't touch? Isn't that heaven? No, Jesus came to establish a new kingdom. A kingdom without darkness, without sin, without temptation, where it's where it's perpetually light because the light of the world has come. That's the new kingdom. And Jesus is that kingdom. Jesus passed the test. He defeated Satan, proving that he truly is fit to rule as king for all eternity. 
This message was the same message that John the Baptist preached. But we notice that the two, the two things go together here. If the kingdom of heaven is near, then people must be ready. The only way to be ready is to repent of our sins. Because the kingdom of God will be one without sin. And therefore people must be forgiven to enter. What does it mean to repent? Josh made it clear last week. If you're driving down the road in, in my new Mercedes sports car that cost me three years' salary, I'm driving down the road there and I come to a roadblock. Yes, I'm going to drive my new Mercedes straight through the roadblock. I don't know what's on the other side. I could damage my car. Or am I going to turn around and go the other way? Jesus stresses the message that no one is good enough to enter this kingdom on their own merits. People who are in darkness cannot repent on their own. God gives us his grace to enable us to repent. Even Jesus was tested. Even Jesus needed God's help. So why do we think we don't? Repentance is necessary for us to be forgiven. This is what forgiveness is. You go to your friend and you borrow $10,000 from your friend. And this friend comes to you and he says, look, I've got, I've got debtors knocking on my door. I need the money back. And you say, well... I'm really sorry, but I can't give it to you. And you say, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll work something else out. That debt still has to be paid. Your friend still has debtors knocking on his door. The debt hasn't gone away. It just means that he's fixing it himself. That's why Jesus came, friends. We have a great big debt to Jesus that we cannot possibly pay. And Jesus knows that. So he said, I will pay. I forgive you, but I still, my father still has a debt. Owing. So Jesus paid the debt. All those who do not repent are in grave danger of spending eternity without God, without hope, without peace. It's important to note that Jesus gave the message of repentance from the beginning of his ministry. Right from the start, he said, Repent. And true repentance is to be born again. Not by natural birth, because this is scientifically impossible and biologically impossible, but it means a spiritual birth. It means we become a different person. It means we repent of our sins to God and Jesus gives us that forgiveness and we become new from the inside. Outside we're exactly the same, but we, we have a new life. We have a new family. 
When we are born again, we're no longer in darkness because we have seen the light. That is why God decisively sent Jesus. His kingdom is here in both his words and his ministry. Remember what he said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But the culmination of the kingdom in all its fullness is a future reality. Jesus is returning to establish his kingdom on this earth. Are you ready to enter that kingdom? Are you ready? Have you seen the light? What does all this mean for us? The prophets prophesied of a Messiah that would come and set the world free from sin and darkness and eternity of torment. God said that Jesus was his son, the true son. Jesus had to be tested to prove that claim and he passed the test that everyone else had failed. He proved himself to be who he said he was. We can have confidence that if we follow Jesus, repent of our sin, God will forgive us and we gain entry into his kingdom. It's close at hand. If you've not repented, you're still walking in darkness. Those who continue to walk in darkness are not children of light. My challenge is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you want to know more, you can talk to Josh and myself, Andrew, one of the elders. Just sit down with us, have a conversation. Because this is serious times we live in. So I hope that challenges you to look at your life. Coming to church makes you no more than a Christian and being born at McDonald's makes you a hamburger. People come to church for years and are still in darkness. Friends, the light has come. <laughs>